Hi, Catherine Free here with God's Love Song Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited about the word that God has for us today. As a matter of fact, we're going to go and we're going to join a live um, online Bible study that I was doing. So I want you to go get your Bible, go get your journal, go get your pen, go get your highlighter, get whatever it is that you need so you can be fully engaged. Be ready to participate in the conversation. Be ready to receive revelation. Be ready to receive impartation in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, bring your expectation and bring the supply of the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's how you'll get the most out of it. Amen? Amen. Let's go join the Bible study, shall we? All right. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. We thank you that you are right here in our midst and you have a word to share with us. So we come with ears, purpose to hear, we come with heart's purpose to understand. We set ourselves in agreement with your word, whether our minds understand it or not. And we allow you, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, to minister this word to us. We come with great expectation to receive of you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So last week, last week, yay, we were called to start the Dominion Task Force. Yay! Amen? Amen. Am I the only one who's excited about this? <laughs> let me start by asking, well actually let me start this way. Has anybody practiced taking authority this week? Any testimonies you'd like to share about taking authority? Okay. All right. Then I'll share my testimony. Um, I have neighbors who live down the road. I'm not talking about next door. I'm not talking about across the street. I'm talking about down the road. And they like to play their music. And actually, what I found out was their business is installing music systems and vehicles that like really pump for that, pump up the volume, all that. So they're always testing their systems. They're always taking it to the limit, playing it as loud as they can. And it used to be that they would play it for a long period of time as if they were listening to the music and enjoying it. And now, praise the Lord, they've gotten it down to where they only play it in spurts. But sometimes it's just spurt after spurt after spurt after spurt. And it's so loud that I cannot hear my own television inside my house or my own radio or if I'm talking on the phone. Wow the conversation. Wow. Even if I close all the windows and the doors, I can hear it as if it was normal music playing in my house. That's how loud they play it. I used to call the police every time it happened um, because at first they would come and as soon as the police came, five minutes later they're playing it again. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to keep on calling. The police finally let me know we do not have a noise ordinance here. So really, when they turn it down, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. I said, okay, that's all I need to know. Just understand that I'm going to keep calling you every time they turn it up. I'm going to keep calling you. Um, and the reason I did that is so that I could have a physical record. But I said, okay, if there's no noise ordinance in the natural, I know where I can get a noise ordinance. And so I began to handle it in the spirit. And so that was a year and a half, two years ago. 
fast forward to this week, they were playing the music loud, 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 loud. And I have learned, I said, Lord, I bless their business in the name of Jesus, but I curse the distraction. According to Isaiah 32, 18, I live in a peace, peaceable habitation and a quiet resting place. So I speak quietness to this neighborhood. And every time, within seconds, the music would go away. Amen. Amen. So I was practicing my authority. And I guess if you, you know, give thanks in all things, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to practice <laughs> my authority so steadily. So praise God. It's like that. Uh, amen. I just, amen. I just want to emphasize the importance of practicing our authority. The Lord's been talking to us for several weeks now about our authority. He has spoken to us that we are not powerless. Yes, he is in control, but he has put us in charge. He gave us authority through Jesus Christ. And we've talked about it in several aspects, but I'll just put us in remembrance of Luke chapter 10, verse 19, where Jesus says, Behold, I have given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we have authority, and we're expected to use it. Not only do we have authority, but we have a right to use it, and we have a responsibility to use it. The importance of practicing our authority. Jesus, God, is ministering these things to us week after week after week. But let's turn to, let's turn to Luke chapter 6. We'll start in verse 47. Jesus tells us what we are like when, he, when we hear him speak and we do what he says and when we hear him speak and we don't do what he says. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6. We'll read 46 through 49. When somebody has that, will you please read it? And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my saying, and do it them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which build a house and dig deep and lay the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth, and doeth not is like a man without a foundation build an house upon the earth against which the stream did be vehemently and immediately it fell and the rain no the ruin of the house was great. Amen. So Jesus is saying, Why are you calling me Lord but you're not gonna do what I say? That just those two just don't even go together. Okay? Don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say. Then he says in verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, he is like a man that built a house and digged deep and laid a foundation. And because he built a foundation, when the storm came, the house was, was not shakable because it, it was unshakable because it was founded upon a rock. That word heareth, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, the Amplified Classic explains it this way. 
Whoever, everyone who comes to me and listens to my words in order to heed their teaching. So not to store it up, not to put it on the shelf, not to put it in, you know, stick it in a page in your Bible, but whoever comes with the intention to do what I've said, this is the person who is like that man that built his house upon a rock and built a foundation. And when the storm came, the storm could not knock it over. The house was unshakable. On the other hand, the man who heard my, the man who, um, heard my things but did not do them, he did not take heed to do them, he's like a person that just built his house, you know, on the, on the earth. It was a superficial foundation. There was no foundation. When the storm came, the storm knocked the house over. So as we are receiving these teachings from God, especially as it pertains to our authority, it's not for us just to stock up on the teaching. It's not just a feel-good message in the moment. It's not even something just to say, oh, okay, yeah. No, it's something to practice throughout the week because when we're practicing it, we're building that foundation. I like that saying that says, the more sweat shed in peacetime, the less blood shed in war. The more we're practicing our authority when there aren't major consequences, when there's not a major emergency or major catastrophe, the more we're building our faith muscles. The more we're building our authority muscles, the stronger we'll be when that situation comes up in which we need to use our authority. We won't be fumbling around trying to figure out what to do. We won't be shaken. We'll be like the man who built his house upon a rock that was not shaken when the storm came because we have a foundation. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we practice our authority. And by way of practicing our authority, God has given us a group project. I love it. I love it. And I want to say, ladies, that this is just the beginning. He has named it the Dominion Task Force. At first, when he was telling me about it, you know, I was, I was thinking of names, you know, and I was relating it to hurricane stuff because that's the project that he's given us. But then he corrected me. He said, no, 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 no. This is just the beginning. This is just to walk you through it. This is an object lesson. But you are to take dominion over every situation in life. So we're not going to limit it just to hurricanes. So you're not just the hurricane preparedness prayer team. You are the dominion task force. And this is your first mission. Amen? Amen. So our mission is to take dominion, hallelujah, I get so excited, over hurricane season. We have the authority to do that. The National Oceanic Administration Association has predicted an above normal to extremely active hurricane season. And to NOAA, we can say thank you. You have used your scientific expertise, you've used your scientific knowledge, and you have told us the best that you know how based on the information that you have. Thank you. Same thing. When you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a diagnosis, you can say, thank you. I appreciate your using your medical expertise. I appreciate your explaining it to me. Now I'm going to go to the one who has authority. I'm going to go to Dr. Jesus and say what he tells me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, because, you know, it, we don't have to discount it. For, no, 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 excuse me. We don't have to discard it, 
because if you look at the natural, if we look at what Noah is saying about hurricane season or we look at what the doctor is saying about a diagnosis, we have that to, to, to share our testimony later. Look, this is what the doctor said. This is what the test results showed. But look at what prayer can do. Look at what taking authority can do. Look at what God did in my body. And you have that testimony. So it's not to automatically discard the natural information. It's to say, all right, now I know what I'm dealing with. Okay? So Noah has um, predicted an above normal to extremely active hurricane season. Predict. They have spoken beforehand. This is what it's going to be. But we, as born-again believers, with authority, the authority of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to decree a thing and expect it to be established according to Job chapter 22, verse 28. As a matter Amen. of fact, go read that real fast. Job chapter 22, verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Amen. So we have the authority to decree a thing and expect it to be established. The word of God just said so. That word decree means to command, to ordain, and to decide by decree. This requires us to use and to operate in our authority. I shared last week how um, I heard this prophet say one time, he said, what's the difference between a psychic and a prophet? A psychic tells the future, but a prophet changes the future. We can change the future with our words, when spoken through the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So the bottom line is, we are not powerless. God is in control but we are in charge. Last Amen. week we talked about how do we take our authority. And if you have your handouts, um, you can just look at it. I'm not going to go into detail on it uh, for the sake of time. Um, it's a review, but you can, you can look at it. It'll help you to follow along. How do we take authority? It's on the, let me see which handout it's on. It's on the hurricane preparedness handout. And I'm on point number one. How do we take our authority? First, we ourselves must come into alignment. We must align our spirit, soul, and body with three-part being. Our spirit is that part of us that is 100% holy, 100% perfect, 100% saved, 100% everything that Jesus is. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's First John chapter 4, verse 17, I think. 17 or 18. Okay? Um, so our spirit is already in line with God. So now we have to bring our soul into alignment with our spirit that is already in line with God. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we have to get our thoughts lined up with the word of God. Our desires lined up with the word of God. Our emotions lined up with the will of God. And when we do this, we do this by um, seeking his face. I'm talking about Job chapter 22, verse 21 now, 
For it says, acquaint now, my, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. We do that by seeking his faith and by seeking his word. And when we hear his word, we align with it and we come into agreement with it. That's why every week um, for the past few weeks I've been saying, set yourself to be in agreement with the word of God, whether your mind understands it or not. Because when you set yourself to be in agreement with it, you're automatically just letting the word freely come into, connect with your spirit and come up and out of your spirit so that it will renew your mind, so that it will, um, it will, um, Holy Ghost, what's the word? So that it will, that I shout out, mix, it's not even mix, so that it will, Jesus, help me, so that it will renew your soul, it will align your soul with your spirit, it will it will transform. It will transform your thoughts. It will transform your emotions. It will transform your desires into the thoughts, the desires, and the emotions of God. Okay? So that's, that's the process of becoming one with his word. We're aligning ourselves. We're becoming one with his word. And John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words, this is Jesus speaking, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Okay, another part of aligning the soul is, um, well, actually we said that, is to come into agreement with it. When we come into agreement with it, you meditate that word until you become fully persuaded. To hear it once or twice is not going to work. To read it once or twice is not going to work. Meditate that word. Spend time with that word. I was in a conference this week and I heard the apostles say to meditate a word means to, to study that word until it starts talking to you. Study that word until it starts talking to you. So when you start hearing God's voice behind the words that are written on the page, and if you all, I don't know if any of you have started reading the book that I gave you yet, but Beyond Salvation, but in section 3, it goes into detail about how to meditate the word and how to hold on to the word and how to stand on the promise until the time that it is manifested. Um, section 3 and Beyond Salvation. It will give you details on that. All right. The thing also in, in, in um, receiving the word, receiving the law from his mouth, is that you receive the law from his mouth, not anybody else's. Not the media's mouth, not people's mouth, not naysayers' mouth. You receive the word from God, and that's the word you stick with. And the number one thing that you must determine in your heart is no fear here. No fear here. Because when we let fear in, then we give the devil an entryway. Just like Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Yeah. Okay. So that gave Satan an entryway to call, to wreak havoc in his life. Last week we looked at Jairus, who came to Jesus and said, "My daughter is at the point of death. Please come to my house and heal her." And Jesus said yes. And on the way to their on the way to his house, Jesus got interrupted by the woman who had the issue of blood. She received her healing, her testimony. And while she was giving her testimony. Jairus' servant came and said, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter died. She's dead. And it says straightway, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. Only believe. 
Jesus was telling him, keep that door shut to fear. Do not let fear come in. You only believe. You came here and you asked me for something. You believed you had the answer. You keep believing you have the answer. Don't let fear in. So we must purpose in our hearts. No fear here. All right. So once we get the soul, then we need to align the body. The body means put it into action. Put it into action. Um, Job 22, verse 27, Thou shalt make a prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee. So now that you've um, set yourself to seek God's face, to seek his word, you've come into alignment with his word, you've come into agreement with his word, you've meditated his word, you've shut out all fear, now you're making your prayer unto him. Why? Because through meditation you have heard what he has said. Don't pray until you've heard what he has said. Pray his word back to him, whether it's a Logos word, which means whether it's scripture, or whether it's a Rhema word, which means you heard him speak that to you, and that's what you pray back to him. That's how we can be assured that we are praying according to his will. And 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say we have this confidence. We know that if we pray um, that he hears us, and we know that if he hears us, he answers us because we have prayed according to his will. And because we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions um, granted that we have desired of him. When I pray his word, I have no doubt that I'm going to receive what I asked him for. I'm asking him for what he's already told me I can have. <laughs> so he's not going to say no. All right? And then the second part of aligning the body is saying we've prayed. We've, we've meditated, we've received the word from God, we're praying it back to him, and now God gives us, um, gives us the answer and we say, we command, we decree, we speak it out of our mouth. And when we speak it out of our mouth, it says, uh, Job 22:28 says, Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. When we speak it out of our mouth, hallelujah, we can expect it to be established. Our purposes shall not be disappointed. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 talks about God's word. He says, so is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It accomplishes that which I please, and it prospers in what I sent it to do. Well, because we have prayed God's word, God's word in our mouth is still his word. And it's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what he pleases, and it's going to prosper in what it was sent to do. That's the authority that he's given us. He's given us the authority to speak his word and expect it to come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And with that, God will give us the light of his direction. And you know we're all about light. Light B, revelation B, spiritual understanding B, direction B, instruction B. He gives us his light. And when he gives us his light, he also gives us his governance. He backs up everything we say because we have spoken it in his authority. And we have the confidence of success. Glory to God. Woo! Amen. 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 Okay. And so that is what we talked about last week. Um, this week, I'd like to pick up with the second part, um, which is... Um, how to take our authority, okay? The second part is connect with his word through the tithe. The tithe is a part of our spiritual 
arsenal. Second Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. They're not of a natural nature. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Glory to God. And tithing, I know we, well, people don't often look at it this way, but tithing is a part of our spiritual arsenal. It's one of our spiritual weapons. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Would, um, before we get started, though, let me ask, I want to hear from each of you, what is tithing? I, well, according to what I knew of is giving back one-tenth one or more of your first fruits, I would think. Okay, and how are you defining first fruits? Well, first fruits, I guess, is, is the best of anything. Best of your time, best of your money, and best of your life, I guess. That's good. Okay. Okay. Who's next? That's true. I I I, I agree with with Sister Deborah, and I also believe that that tithing is is not only mon- um, monetary. I also tithe my time and different things like that, like. Um, Sometimes people may come and they say, oh, can you help me do this? And, and and you have the time and you don't give it. But I believe that God brings everything at an opportune time for you to show him, show people, show him working through you. So that's how I see it, that, that tithing is, is all inclusive with that. Okay. Because that's what if if God gives you gives you an abundance of time, then you should tithe and use that also. Amen. Okay. Well, I I agree. I agree with both of them. You know, like in Malachi, I think it's Malachi, um, mm-hmm. where he talk about you know we bring our first fruits or. Bring an offering to the Lord. So, I believe that we should um, tie something because God has given us the strength to work, and we should give back something to the Lord. And He said, one tenth of whatever you earn belongs to Him. So, that's how I I was taught. Okay. Good morning. Uh, oh, hi. Good morning, Sister Michelle. Hi. I agree with all the ladies. Yes, it's given back um, a portion of one-tenth of what the Lord has blessed us with. Okay, Ms. Lynette? I believe that you should give of your first fruit, and also you should give as you prosper. Both I didn't hear the last part. Give as you prosper. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you for that. All right. So let's look at it um, in the scripture, Malachi chapter 8, verses, I'm sorry, sorry. Malachi, that didn't even sound right coming out of my mouth. Malachi chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 8. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, 
Will a man rob God? Yes, he have robbed me, but he say, he have robbed me, but he say, wherein have he robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Okay, keep, I want you to read all the way through verse 12, please. Oh, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer from your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord of hosts. Amen. Amen. Thank you for reading that. Okay, before we get into it, though, I'm just going to go back. We're going to line this up with the word of the Lord for us for this year, that 2020 is the year of perfect vision. I'm going to read um, a portion of the word that he spoke to us, and we're going to apply it to what we're about to learn, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, 2020, the year of perfect vision. God says, in 2020, you will begin to walk in the inner workings of my word and will know how to work my word efficiently accurately and precisely. You will not only receive insight, concepts, and ideas, but you will know what to do with them, how to maximize them. Your vision will be clear, complete, and all-encompassing regarding that thing that I give you. And today, the thing that he's giving us is revelation on tithing. He says, there will not simply be an increase of revelation. No, There will be an increase in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what to do with the revelation you have received and how to bring that vision to manifestation. Perfect vision. In 2020, you're going to get the message. You're going to get the point. You're going to know what to do with what I've told you, and you will reach the expected end that I have for you. The expected end today is what we just read in Malachi um, chapter 3, verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Thank you, Jesus. He says, moving forward, you will operate at a new level of intentionality because you get the point. And what is the point for this lesson? He says, no more doing things out of habit, routine, tradition, religion, or even ignorance. You're going to be effective in the appropriation of my words and my methods so that you will get what I desire for you to have. That expected end that he talks about in Jeremiah 29, 11. And so we are going to learn the inner workings of his word where tithing is concerned. And we're going to get the results that he wants us to get from our tithing. If you can agree with that, say amen. 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 Okay. All right. So um, 
let's this this scripture Malachi chapter three is often taught, and unfortunately it has been used a lot as a way to browbeat people into tithing, and that's not appropriate. That's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be done. So I just want to go through and just um, expound the word a little bit before we get into it, okay? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now this discourse, this was God speaking to the people, and this discourse comes in the middle of his, like, really scolding them. It's like, you guys have just been hard-headed. I, you, you need to go back to obeying me like the way your forefathers did. And so this scolding is coming in the middle of that scolding. And he's saying, you have robbed me, and you're asking me how you've robbed me? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Now, the reason God wanted them to give tithes and offerings was so they could be blessed. That's what God put in place for them um, in the law. But I want to back up a second because tithing actually predates the law. Tithing was something that was done before the law was even given. The law didn't come until Moses, all right? But we see in Genesis chapter 14 or chapter 13, which chapter is it, Lord? Wait a minute, I'll tell you in a second. But we see in Genesis chapter, we see in Genesis that um, Abraham, Abraham tithed. Abraham tithed. Let's turn there as soon as I tell you where it is. Go to Genesis. <laughs> Look at chapter 14 or 15. I'll tell you in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified just because it, it, the, the story is a little, little clearer there. So when you have it, just say amen and I'll read. Um, Abram had just come from rescuing his nephew Lot. There had been a war and Abraham, Abram, Abram got his servants and went and rescued Lot and now they're just returning. Okay. So verse 17, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Classics. After his, Abram's return from the defeat of slaying Kedileamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, later called Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for their nourishment. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him, talking about Abram, and he blessed him and said, Blessed, blessed, favored with blessings, made blissful, joyful, be Abram by God most high, possessor and maker of heaven and earth. And blessed, praised, and glorified be God most high, who has given your foes into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of all he had taken. So when Abram gave him the tenth, he tithed. It wasn't something written in the law. It wasn't something that he was demanded to do, okay? He did it out of his heart. He did it out of love for God. He did it out of respect for God. So tithes and offerings did not become a part of the law, like what it's talking about in Malachi, until Moses came, all right? Now, I'm going to go through this very quickly. We'll come back and 
at another time, not today. But understand that the law was given to show the people that they could not do it on their own. The Ten Commandments, that's part of the law. There were actually 613 commandments. But the Ten Commandments was part of the law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Thou shalt, you know, um, I'm sorry, long shall be their days upon the earth. All of that. He did that to show them that you cannot do it without me. Because if you fail, if you break even one law, then it's as if you've broken them all. You have no hope without me. That is what the law was, was given to the people for. That is why the law was given to the people. But God, the loving God that he is, the all-wise God that he is, he knew, of course, that the people couldn't do it without him, without him but he didn't want to damn them. He didn't want to condemn them. He wanted to give them a chance. So what did he do right after he finished giving them the law? He gave them um, a system of tithes and offerings. And we see that in the book of Leviticus. And just to show you, there was the burnt offering. There was, the burnt offering was for atonement. If you committed sins unaware, you know, you just give a, a burnt offering and it covered sins that you didn't even know about. There was the peace mm -hmm. offering. There was the sin offering for when you knew that you sinned. <laughs> or you sinned out of ignorance. You sinned, but you sinned out of ignorance. And then there was the trespass offering when you willingly sinned. So God had offerings set up in place to, to keep the people together because he knew they could not do it without him. But in his love and in his mercy, he set up a system of offerings for them so that they could remain in right standing with him. Okay? Now, with all of that, we need to know that the law was never, this is going to be a radical statement where I come from, the law was never meant for us. The law was never meant for Gentiles. The law was for the children of Israel, for the Jewish nation, for the chosen people of God. It was for them. It was not for the Amalekites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. It was not for all the people who were not God's people. Anybody who was not a Jew was a Gentile. And so if we're looking at us in that context, we are not Jews, therefore we are Gentiles. The law was never meant for us. That is why there was such a debate when Paul came along. Paul, you know, he was a Jew. He was Hebrew of Hebrews. He was Pharisee. Who, I mean, he was top-notch. He was the cat's meow. He did all of this. But God gave him a call to the Gentiles. And the religious people had a hard time accepting that because they thought, that Jesus was just for them, but not only, but they didn't even accept Jesus. That's why. That's why God opened it up to the Gentiles. He came, okay, Romans 1.16, um, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, then the Gentiles. Well, the Jews rejected it, which opened up the door for the Gentiles. And we learn in Romans chapter 11 that this was just the brilliance of God. God opened it up to the Gentiles, and now the Gentiles are getting blessed to the point where um, the plan is to make the Jews jealous so that the Jews come and receive Jesus. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. You can read about it in Romans chapter 11. 
But the point was, um, the Jews, their giving was to fulfill the law. And so now we're back to Malachi chapter 3. Does anybody have any questions about what I just said? I mean, that was a very large, broad overview. Does anybody have any questions? I just have a, a concern. Are you going to get to the part since you said that the law, well, I know the law is, was for the Jews concerning tithing. So what is our stance on tithing then? Yes, I'm on my way. You're on your way. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, great question. On my way. All right. So that brings us back to Malachi chapter 3. But I'm going to explain what he was saying to them first, and then I'll tell how it, how it pertains to us. All right. So how have, um, how will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? Wherein have we robbed thee? And tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings because I only want to bless you. I only want to bless you. It's through the tithe and it's through the offering that I'm able to bless you. When you sin and you mess up, but you offer the offering, then you come back, you know, under my umbrella of safety. All right? That's what he's explaining to them. Not, and then the next verse says, you are cursed with a curse. He's not saying, I put a curse on you. He's not, and what has been preached in churches nowadays is that if you don't tithe, God will curse you. That is inaccurate. That is downright wrong. Here, when he's telling them, you are cursed with a curse, what he's saying is, you have stepped out from under my umbrella of safety. Therefore, you are being affected by the curse. It's like the, when Adam sinned, okay, sin and death came into the world, so as a whole, the world is cursed. Now, the world is under the curse. The world, the world is under the curse. But the people of Israel, God's people, they were under his umbrella of safety. When they stepped out from, their, from the umbrella of safety, they automatically stepped out into the curse that was already there. Not something that God put on them, but something that was already there. Amen. Just like if the umbrella, it's, it's raining, the umbrella will stay dry, but as soon as we choose to come out from under the umbrella, now we're getting wet. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody understand that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right, so he says, you have robbed me, even this whole nation, you've robbed me of the opportunity to bless you. You've robbed me of the opportunity to keep you. And then he says, bring all the tithes, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now. He's like, just do it. Just come on, bring it into the storehouse. Bring Bring it into the tabernacle. That's where they took their tithes and the priests had to do all those sacrifices and everything. Bring it into the storehouse. And I'm going back and forth between them then and us now. The storehouse is the place where you are being fed. I'll leave that there. We'll come back to it. But the storehouse is the place where you are being fed. For the children of Israel, it was the tabernacle then, right? That there may be meat in my house. This is how the priests were taken care of. This is how they were able to focus on the word, to be able to study, to be able to Um, teach the word to the people, bring the word to the people. Do this now and see, won't I open up the windows of heaven? Won't I pour you out a blessing? There'll be so much you won't have room to receive it. Stop robbing me of my opportunity to bless you. This is how much I want to bless you. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That word devourer, it's weird. I looked it up in the Hebrew. Devourer, devourer sounds like a person or a thing. 
So when I looked up the Hebrew de- definition, it means to eat up. So the devourer is anything that eats up. And like um, Sister Tony and, and a couple of others, we're talking about time can be one. And I think Sister Deborah said your life, your whatever it is, you, all of that, anything that eats that up, anything that eats up your time, anything that eats up your energy, anything that eats up your health, anything that eats up, that's a devourer. And the Lord said, I will um, rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. He shall not destroy any of your efforts. And that word destroy means spoil. He will not spoil the fruits of your effort. He will not ruin the fruits of your effort. He will not pervert. Woo, you know how sometimes you do something and you're well-meaning, but then somebody can turn it around and, and, and look at it in a bad way? He, that, that's Whoa. perversion. Perversion. The devourer will not be able to pervert the fruits of your effort or corrupt them or wipe them out. I will rebuke him for your sake. I will keep him from you. Everything you do will prosper, in other words. That is a guarantee that comes along, or that was a guarantee that came along with tithing. That was part of the blessing that God wanted to give to them and part of the blessing that they were robbing God of by not tithing. Okay? Are we clear on that? Yeah. All right. So now what does that have to do with us today? We never were under the law. We are not under the law. So tithing, um, by definition, it is a tenth. It it is a tenth. Anything above the tenth is considered an offering. Um, But because we were never under the law, God is not saying, I want you to bring me 10%. It's something that we can do, just like, Um, Abram did before the law was in effect. Abram did it out of a motivation of love, out of a motivation of respect. And giving, even now, should be, whether it's our tithes or whether it's our offering, our motive counts for everything. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. This is the love chapter. That's what a lot of people call it. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have no charity, it profits me nothing. Okay. So the motivation. Paul is saying, I could give everything I have to feed the poor. I could give my, I could martyr myself. I could give myself to be burned. But if I'm doing it without the motivation of love, it might profit those other people that I'm doing it for, but it's not going to profit me. Our motivation has everything to do with our act. Um, what did the Lord say to us? He says the point is that we're not going to be doing it out of routine. We're not going to be doing it out of tradition or out of religion we're, or even ignorance. We're going to do it with intentionality. So the first part of intentional tithing is your motive. Turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let us start with verse, okay, verses 6 and 7, please. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his possession. 
um, purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or, or, or of necessity, for God love it a cheerful giver. Okay, so these scriptures are also talking to motive. For a long time, I thought, you know, he was so sparingly or he was so bountifully, I thought that it only had to do with the amount that you sowed or the proportion of the amount. You know, if I only have $10 and I sow $5, that $5 is much more than the person who has $100 and only sows $5. So there's a proportion thing there. But I thought it had to do with the amount or the proportion. But it also has to do with the attitude. Um, like, okay, yeah, that's right. Somebody asks you to do something. You have extra time, but you don't want to give it. You're stingy with your time. Or you really let them know that this is eating into my TV watching time. Or you, I had to wake up extra early to do this for you. Or to, That's giving sparingly. That's giving grudgingly. Okay, but when you give bountifully, then you willingly give your time and you give as much as it takes to get the job done or as much as within reason or as much as you can. Okay, so it's the attitude with which you give, whether it's um, sparingly or whether it's bountifully. All right, verse 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Purpose in your heart to give. If you don't want to give, then just don't give. That's far better than to give hypocritically. That's far better than to give out of coercion. That's, that's far better than to give and you really don't want to. God sees our heart. Okay. So let him give, not grudgingly, not because, oh, I have to, not of necessity. Um, the, the, one of the popular mindsets about tithing is, okay, I have to do this or else uh, the preacher is going to talk about me. I have to do this. People are going to think that I'm not giving. I have to do this or else God's going to curse me. I have to do this. That's, that's, that's also, um, that's grudgingly, that's also not, um, that, that motive is also incorrect. Put it that way. That motive is also wrong. And then it says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because he created us in his image and in his likeness, and he's a cheerful giver. We see in John chapter 3, 16, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. His only. He didn't give us Abraham. He didn't give us David. He didn't give us trees, stars, moons, stuff that he has more than one of. He gave us the one thing that he only had one of. He gave us his best. He gave us his favorite. And he gave us his all. Cheerfully just on the chance that we would receive him. He didn't even have a guarantee that we would receive him. Just on the chance. He was a cheerful giver, and his giving was motivated by love. That is how our giving is to be. So when people come with Malachi 3.8 and saying you're cursed with a curse, we're not cursed with a curse. Let's turn to um, Galatians chapter 3. We're not cursed with a curse, number one, because that law was never meant for us. And number two, even if it was, God didn't curse them with a curse. They stepped out into the curse because they stepped out of his umbrella of safety. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for being made a curse for us, for it is written, 
Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And read verse 14 too, please. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? So Christ, Jesus, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay? Um, so the, I, was, I had a conversation with a loved one one time, and I was telling him that I am believing, and you ladies are just going to have to catch this or just act like you're listening politely or something, but I said, I'm going to have um, supernatural childbirth. I'm not going to have pain in childbirth. And he says, um, you're crazy. I said, no, because that was a part of the curse. That is what God spoke as a part of the curse in Genesis chapter 3. And I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. He said, but the curse still exists. I said, it does, but I have been redeemed from it. And so I'm believing for supernatural childbirth, no pain. How do I know? I'm putting that thing in effect. Every month when I have my ladies' days and those cramps come, and I feel like I'm about to vomit or my eyes are about to pop out of my head or I just can't sit up straight. I'm talking to those cramps. I'm telling them that they're a part of the curse. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. They don't belong to me. And it's gotten to the point where they leave instantly. This is, all, this is what, if you, if you hear my word and you do it, like you, you're like the man that built a foundation upon a rock. And when the storm comes, the house will be unshakable. So I'm doing all this practicing, so when my time comes to have children, I'm going to know how to talk to those contractions. They need to do what they need to do, but I don't need to succumb to the curse of the law. I'm practicing. We can do that. <laughs> I Man. What practice? It depends on this so hard. But that's all good to believe. It's good to believe, eh? Yes, it's good to believe. It's good to believe. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see manifestation of it, I'm telling you. I, I'm serious. I'm trying to tell you all, I know I don't have the market cornered, you know, for, for BMS, but it's, it's, I get it real, 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 real bad, like real bad, real bad. And I have to take dominion over it every month, not just the irritability part, all of it. And so to see manifestation and just to see it go away like that, that's, that's building my that it's working. It's building that foundation Amen. for us. So we are redeemed Amen. from the curse of the law. So if anybody says, if you don't tithe, you're under the curse, nope, I'm not under the curse. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, first of all. Second of all, not even they were under, not even they were, um, they stepped out into the curse, and that's why they were cursed. But God was saying, if you tithe, bring the, sto- bring the um, meat into the storehouse, bring your tithes into the storehouse, then I'm going to bless you. So that was their doing. That was not God cursing them. Okay? Now, we're not have, giving. Um... Yeah. I have a question, um, verse 13. Oh, sure. And, um, it says... Being made cursed for us, okay. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being yes. made a curse for us. Yes. So my my understanding is that um being made a curse. This means we were under the curse. 
uh, yeah. leave me the curse first. Yeah, so this doesn't make me want the curse first. So, so earlier, because... Earlier you, were saying, earlier you were saying that we want under the law. Right. I think I'm getting yeah, Okay. So we were not under the law. The law was made to... Yes. Okay. So in Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, okay, the forbidden fruit, all right, I'm going to go get the exact scripture. We um, Genesis chapter 3, verse, let's turn to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get started. This was... After um, they ate of the fruit and God says, Adam, what happened? Well, the woman you gave me. And he said, Eve, what happened? Well, the serpent beguiled me. And so now the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of my life, and of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay? So that's the curse entered. All right? And that was a direct curse on the serpent. And then the woman. And to the woman he said, I'll greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire, desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That's part of the curse. And then to Adam, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles um, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face. All this other stuff. So work came in. Um, I sure wish, I can't use my phone right now. Otherwise I would. But where is, can somebody look it up on the internet? Google this. Um, by sin, death entered the world. That's Romans 5 and 12. Thank you. And it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There's a scripture that says that the curse entered. But it's in that instance that we just read in, in, in Genesis that the curse entered the world. And part of the curse, of course, is death. Okay? And all of this entered by sin. All right? Um, and here we see in Romans chapter, 12, chapter 5, verse 12, um, that it passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, when we go to Romans chapter 3, we see there, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and then the wages of sin is death. Because Adam sinned, sin came into the world, all men were dead. Born as a little baby, still dead. Why? Because our spirits are separated from God. It is not until our spirits are quickened by the Spirit of God that we are alive. And that happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Well, if Jesus had not died on the cross, if he had not hung on that tree and, you know, done everything that he needed to be able to do that, meaning live, live the sinless life and all of that, if he had not hung on that tree and died for us, then 
we wouldn't be able to receive him as Savior. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Keep this in mind, that the wages of sin is death. Okay? Mm-hmm. And now read. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay? Jesus knew no sin. Jesus had not sinned. Jesus was perfect. But having done nothing wrong, he became sin. He was made, God made him to be sin. The same way we just read in Galatians chapter 3. He became a curse for us. He was the curse. He, he became death for us so that we could live. Here in um, this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he was made to be sin, even though he had never done anything to sin, so that we could be made the righteousness of God, even though nothing in us was righteous, and there was nothing that we could do of our own to become righteous. It was a great exchange. So he became a curse for us. He took the curse of death for us. He took the curse of, of separation from God for us. When, when, when he was on the cross, God turned his back on him and um, said, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the first time ever, 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 ever in eternity that Jesus was without the presence of his Father. Amen. He Amen. did that for so that we would never glory to God. He did that for us so we would never have to be without the presence of our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Sister K. Yeah. I know my leader used that, that, like saying, we are the righteousness of God, you know? Like yeah. sometimes I talk and I say, we are the righteousness of God. So um, it's a, good, a saying to say, we are the righteousness of God, right? Yes, we are. There's we are, nothing. Right? We, we are present tense. We are right now. Yes. There's nothing we yes. have to do to become righteous. Huh? There's nothing we can do to become righteous. We right. have been made the righteousness of God. And because we have been, past tense, made the righteousness of God, we are the righteousness of God. Amen. Amen. And we sin, even when we fall short, guess what? We can say, I am the righteousness of God. That's why there is therefore when we know our identity, when we know that we are the righteousness of God, then we can quickly say, God, I missed it. I messed up. I repent. I ask you for your forgiveness. And right after that next breath, we can say, and I receive my forgiveness. And we can pick it up and move on. Because Amen. Righteousness of God. Glory to God. In Christ Jesus. Thank Amen. you. Glory to God. Did that answer your question, Sister Michelle? Um, I guess I'll have to like look at it some more. But I mean I got all the what you were saying. I'll have to um look at it some more. So okay. I can be sure that I get it. So that I can be sure that I get it. <laughs> okay. And if you have any questions or want to talk about it outside of Bible study, I'm here. You have my number. I'd be happy to, okay? All right. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. All right. And so um, 
getting to us about tithing now. We're not giving, we're not tithing because we have to. It's a good thing to do. But we're not tithing because we have to. We're not going to do it grudgingly. We're not going to do it sparingly. We're not going to do it because we were manipulated into it. We're not going to feel like because we're not righteous <laughs> if we don't or we're not spiritual if we don't. We're going to do it like um, the reason that Abraham did it, Abram did it. We're going to do it out of respect. We're going to do it out of honor. We're going to do it out of love for him. And then because we're not under the law, you know, the tithe by definition is 10%, but we don't have to only give 10%. The tithe is just, by definition, 10%. That's when there are offerings. That's when you, you know, you give freely. Um, do you all know the story of Hannah when she was believing God for a child? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's found in First um, Samuel chapter 2. I'll just tell you, I'll just go through it real quick. This is my testimony. Excuse me, rather, that's First Samuel chapter 1. And this was right after I had graduated from grad school and I was looking for a job. And I said, God, if you give me a job, I will dedicate 100% of my finances to you. Why did I say that? Because Hannah, in First Samuel chapter 1, she had been praying for a son. She was believing God for a son. Her heart was so heavy because she didn't have a child. And so she was praying, and the priest saw her, and, and as she was leaving the temple, he said, "Grace, you found grace in the Lord's sight. Grace be unto you. You're going to get what you've asked God for. And so sure enough, Hannah had a son. And when she had him, she did not keep him to or for herself. She had him with her long enough for her to wean him, and then she took him to the temple. And she left him there. She dedicated her son to the um, to the Lord 100%. She totally dedicated him to the Lord. And that was my thing. Lord, I will totally dedicate my finances to you. I will totally dedicate 100% of my finances to you. And whatever you tell me to do with them, that is what I will do. So I wasn't bound by the 10% tithe. I wasn't confounded by how much should I give an offering. Do you tithe off of the debt or the growth? None of that. None of that. None of that. 100% of my finances were his. And I did that out of, out of love for him. I, I was so drawn by the story in First Samuel about Hannah and how she lovingly dedicated her son to the Lord. I wanted to do that too. And so I dedicated my finances. So I wasn't limited to the 10%. Okay? Um, now, I do tithe or the promise that God has given us. It's like plugging your phone into the wall, okay? You're plugging into the power source. And the way I use it, I always, whether I'm giving an offering or whether I'm tithing my tithe, it's always connected to the word because my finances are seed. My tithe is not a seed. That's a connection. But everything that I give an offering is a seed. So my my tithe is the connection. So like here just the other day, the Lord put a desire in my heart. He just dropped it in there. And it was like, wow, okay, Lord, thank you. And then as I was thinking about it the next day, he took me to the scripture. The scripture didn't have anything to do with the desire that he gave me 
directly, but the scripture was Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and, ye shall, um, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. That's the promise that he gave me regarding this desire. So that's telling me that I'm going to come up against some oppositions or some bumps in the road or whatever, but I already have the guarantee that when I ask, it's going to be given to me. When I seek, I'm going to find. And when I knock, the door is going to be open. That's my guaranteed promise from the Lord. That's what he gave me. That's not something I'm asking him for. That's what he gave me. So with my tithe, I plug into that promise. Now, number one, I'm connected to that promise through my tithe. The tithe that the Lord wants to, that he uses to bless. Not saying that we're not blessed if we don't tithe, but it's like um, the next point. It provides additional protection. It's that additional, it's that intentional connection, you know? So I've plugged into it. And not only that, my tithe sanctifies the rest of my finances. The 10% I've given to him, but with that 10%, my other 90% is protected. And I can do more with that 90% than I could have done with the original 100%. Why? Because that 10% took my finances out of this natural world system where you pay for something in order to get something, and when you pay for it, you deplete your resources. That's the world system. I took it out of the world system, and I put it into the kingdom of God system. The kingdom of God system says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The um, kingdom of God says, when you sow, you're going to reap. And your harvest is always more than what you sow. So I have taken, with my tithe, I have taken my finances out of this world system, and I have put it into the system of the kingdom of God. And what happens with that, this is, again, taking your finances out of the natural system and putting it into the spiritual system. We can do more with the 90% that's left over than we could do with the original 100%. And even though it may look like the 90% isn't enough to do what we need to do, somehow God supernaturally supplies and we have what we need. And to the point where um, it gets to be more than enough, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so you won't have room enough to receive. And so when it comes to tithing, and when God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, he's saying, this is, part, this is what I like to call tither's rights. When I tithe, I have a right to some things. Have I earned it? No. Do I deserve it? No. But because this is what God said in his word, it comes with the package. So when I subscribe to that package, I get what comes with the package. I have tithers' rights. And tithers' rights works. I can tell you stories. I know this one man, his daughter died in the swimming pool. She drowned. Her, head, her hair got caught in the, in the pipe or whatever it is, you know, that suction thing. And, um, and by the time they found her, she had drowned. They tried to resuscitate her, and she wouldn't be resuscitated. And the, the dad, he was saved, and he was a tither, and he says, I have tithers right in the name of Jesus. Satan, I demand that you let her go right now in the name of Jesus. And the, 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 in, the um, emergency workers had already declared her dead. Five minutes ago, they declared her dead. She sat straight up, and she was alive. Tithers rights. We have rights to do that. We have rights to do that. We have rights. 
not to have our property destroyed in the midst of the, of the hurricane or other natural disasters. We have rights not to be affected by COVID-19. We have tithers' rights when we tithe, when we connect with the Word of God and we, 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 we get what he said comes with the tithe. We're not under the law to do so. Abram wasn't under the law to do so. And as a matter of fact, when I go back to Abram, I read how he tithed um, a tenth. And he said, the reason he did it, he told the king, he's, oh, the king after that offered him stuff. And, came, and um, Abram says, no, I'm not going to take anything from you because I will not have you say that you made Abram rich. This is what Abram did because he wanted everything he received to come from God. And then in the very next chapter, in the first verse, it says, um, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceeding great. We have that with tithers' rights. That's a part of our tithers' rights. And so tithing is a part of our spiritual arsenal. It's a part of our protection package, you know, like an extra warranty kind of thing, if we choose to subscribe to it. We don't have to subscribe to it. It's not, we were never under the law, so we don't have to do it by the law, and we're New Testament, redeemed from the curse of the law, so it's not like we're going to be cursed if we don't do it. We get to give out of the um, motive of our heart as we purpose in our heart. So let us give. But that doesn't mean that tithing is done away with. It doesn't mean that tithing is bad. Tithing is very real. And tithing has perks that come with it. And if we choose to do it, we can do it. And I know that I am a faithful tither. And um, so I'm using that. I am using that intentionally as I engage in this dominion task force as we take dominion over hurricane season. And as a matter of fact, we'll start to close because I know it's probably about that time. Um, if you take out the handout that I gave you that says Dominion Task Force, the very first bullet point says God has given us dominion over the earth. And the scripture that that is based on is Psalm 115 verse 16. And I've typed it there on the paper. Can somebody read that? The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth have he given to the children of men. That is what the Bible says. You can turn to your Bible and see it in there. Um, Psalms 115:16. it says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. That's something that God has said. That's not something that we've had to ask him for. That's something that is. And so where it pertains to us being the dominion task force and taking dominion over hurricane season, I know that my next tithe is going to be to plug into this scripture, that the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The earth he has given to us. He has given us dominion and authority over the earth. So I'm going to intentionally plug into that scripture with my tithe. And so as, I, um, as we go through the steps of taking dominion over the hurricane season, that's something that I'm going to have in my spiritual arsenal. 
I would like to encourage you all to do the same wherever your storehouse is, wherever you are being fed spiritually, tithe and connect to the scripture. You might have other things in your life that you want to connect to, whatever. Okay, that's fine. I'm not discounting that, excuse me. But I'm saying that um, as part of the Dominion Task Force, and you can, you know, you can connect to more than one scripture at a time. But I am intentionally connecting to this one. The earth has he given to the children of men. He's given the earth to me. And so I have dominion and authority over it. Does everybody understand that? All right. Yeah. Okay. And this is a part of the strategy. And this is something that um, I'd like for us to walk through together. This is an object lesson that the Lord is giving us, giving us. And if we are to see results, then we have to participate in it. We have to take part in it. So um, I don't know if, if you all are tithers. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you the word, and Holy Spirit's going to minister to you, and whatever he tells you to do, do it. We started out this morning. Why call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Let me show you what a person is like who hears my word and does what I say. He's like the man that builds his house upon a rock, on a firm foundation, and when the storm comes, um, the house will be unshakable. Okay? All right. All right. So that's, that's, um, that's step number one, part A for us. Um, pray about tithing on this scripture. And even if you don't tithe on it, then meditate on this scripture. And visit part three of my book that talks about meditation. Get the scripture on the inside because it's got to be real in you in order for it to be activated through you. Um, the rest of the handout, you've got other scriptures. The second bullet point, God has given Jesus a name, which is above every name. And then there's Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And then the third bullet, we have the authority and the right and the responsibility to take dominion over hurricane season. At the end of the page, um, the next page, there is a list of the hurricane names. If you turn the page, you'll see it. And I, on purpose, did not capitalize hurricane names because, the, you know, the phrase hurricane names, because they don't have dominion, so there. But um, part of our assignment, part 1B, is every day, we're starting now. This is the last day of May, hurricane preparedness season. Orig um, officially, hurricane season officially starts tomorrow. So every day, go through these names one by one. And, and I think Arthur and Bertha have already started their tropical storms or something somewhere. But anyway, yeah. Arthur. I command you to, Arthur, you are a name. I command you to bow your knee to the name of Jesus. I command your tongue to confess that Jesus is Lord. Bertha, you know, or even if you just go through and read them, Arthur, Bertha, Christopher, Dolly, I command you to bow your knee to the name of Jesus and to confess that Jesus is Lord. But speak, command, decree a thing, and it shall be established. Speak to each one of these names. They are names that must come under the name of Jesus. Command them to bow their knees to the name of Jesus and to confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's how we're walking through the first week. Amen? Amen. Amen. And now I um, want to close out by saying this. Do you all know what today is? Today is today. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. It's it's the day that.
the disciples turned apostles received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Acts, Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the utter parts of the earth. Mm-hmm. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be God's witnesses. It gives us the power. He, excuse me, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he. Holy Spirit gives us the power to walk out the authority that God has given us. That word power is dunamis, and it means the might and the ability. God has given us the might and the ability to walk out the authority that he has given us, not just in reference to these hurricanes, but in reference to any situation in our lives. We have the ability to do it if we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you all know the difference between the infilling of the Holy Spirit that happens when we get saved and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we're born again, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, all right, and, um, you know, I'm building the character of Christ inside of us, but when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us with the power to carry out these things that God has given us to do. And so I just want to ask and um, offer an invitation. If there is anybody here who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and would like to, I would really enjoy praying with you. You can reach me by phone, by email, or through the website. The details are below in the description. Be blessed.